0: 2023 so far has been an incredible year. Just this year, my portfolio is up $65,000. That's a 17% gain. So far, this portfolio has reached a landmark of $90,800. That's a lot of money. And most of it has come from most of the companies that I'm investing in, doing really well. All of them are performing at different levels, some are doing slightly better than others, but overall the performance has been outstanding. But even as other companies do okay, the portfolio has been led by one category, And that one category is the tech category. If I switch over to the year to date view here, Microsoft and Apple are both up over $17,000 this year. This is pretty big gains for two companies in a single year. Microsoft, for example, is up 44%. It's basically a 45 degree line just going further and further up. With Apple, we're up a remarkable 48% year to date. And likewise, it's just a 45-degree line going up and to the right. It's actually incredible how these companies have been trading. And that's what I want to talk about in this episode. As these companies have performed exceptionally well in price, I want to see if their intrinsic value has followed. We're going to be discussing intrinsic valuations, especially of the big tech companies. We also have some additional news. Microsoft is now saying that they're going to earn $10 billion dollars from annual AI revenue. We're gonna be looking at what that new reoccurring revenue is. And we have an update on Disney. The Disney financial chief clashed with the top executives before stepping down. So we have the CFO, Christine McCarthy, stepping down from Disney. And we're gonna be looking at Disney and doing a little bit of a catch up. And then finally, it's Friday, which means we go to TikTok and we try to get the best tips for making money. Luckily, we have a TikTok here, which is the simple instructions of how to make a million dollars. They go over it. Everyone could be a millionaire. Here's how you do it. Now, obviously, we have a lot to get to, so let's go ahead and get started. First of all, we do things differently here at the Joseph Carlson Show. Most investors, most content creators, and most other channels are short-term trend following. This channel does not do that. We are long-term focused on companies that I call compounding machines. Compounding machines are companies that are incredibly capital efficient, They're ones that have high returns on capital employed. They're typically monopolistic. They're dominant in the domain that they compete in. They have high barriers to entry. They have great growth profiles. These companies continually grow organic revenue, earnings per share, and free cash flow per share. Compounding machines are companies that can be held on multi-year basis. I buy into these compounding machines as concentrated positions and hold them for a multi-year basis, meaning that typically I hold companies for at least a minimum of three years. For example, Costco has been held since 2017, half a decade holding this company. And while I buy into these compounding machines, it's also important that I have a different mentality than most of the market. And this is what I believe is a bigger distinction overall than even the companies I pick. I've showed this slide before at the beginning of the year. This is the mentality that we try to have at the Joseph Carlson show. We don't get excited when the market goes up. Today, the market is going up. This year, the market is going up. Investors are enthused. Investors are excited. They're feeling good. We try to avoid going along with the pack and feeling in that same excitement. At the same time, when prices get cheaper, when the market goes down, we don't let that get us depressed. We divorce our emotions from market sentiment. We remain completely insular in our thinking and sentiment about company prices. We're patient, We're okay being bored at the Joseph Carlson show. I don't invest in NVIDIA. I don't invest in the most flashy companies like Tesla. I invest in boring companies like Intuit or Costco or Texas Roadhouse. They do not have to be flashy to give phenomenal gains. We don't need to fit in with the pack. We have no attachment to stocks. I'll sell any company as long as I think there's a better opportunity. We remain cold, calculated, and systematic. Part of the reason this portfolio has done well, It's had market-beating returns so far last year and this year is a result of the combination of the stock-picking criteria focusing on good companies and the mentality of having a long-term perspective and remaining detached from the rest of the market. And remaining emotionally detached from the rest of the market, not going along with the pack, is much easier said than done. Most people say that they can do this. Most people feel like they can do this, but it really comes down to it. Most people struggle doing this. They get excited when everyone else gets excited. They see the gains that they've made this year and they want to pour more and more money into the same companies making further gains. We have right now a market that by the actual metrics is in the extreme greed category. This is one of the highest greed categories that this measurement has ever had. Looking at this over a timeline, this is the peak point of greed, exceeding where it's been for the past two years. Investors are enthused. They're pushing prices up more and more every single day. And this follows right along with human nature. The logic is pretty simple. When stocks are headed up, investors become very happy And they believe that stocks will go up forever. It seems comical when you really just think about it. Investors think that because stocks have gone up, they will go up forever. But that's exactly what they do. They come up with rationalizations. They come up with lots of different explanations of why this stock will never go back down. Of why it's headed higher and higher and higher. Think about the companies that this is happening with right now. I can think of at least one of them that I think fits this category. NVIDIA, this company's up another 2% today. Investors can't pour money into this company fast enough. The market cap is a staggering $1.05 trillion. The PE ratio is a 40, Ford PE. The enterprise value to EBITDA is 56. That's over double what Amazon is right now. The free cash flow yield of the company is 0.47. And if we factor in stock-based comp, it's 0.21. But what do we have going on right now with NVIDIA? The shares are trading higher as the geniuses at Morgan Stanley have raised their price target from 450 to $500. The analysts always follow the stock price. As the stock goes up, there's no reason it'll ever come down. There's nothing that can ever turn this train around. Nvidia's headed for the moon and all the fools not making money in it right now well, you're just missing out. So you better jump on that train. If we look at a company like Microsoft just a year ago, it was going in the opposite direction. Look at it over the past five years, from 2021 to 2022, the price is going down. And the investor sentiment on Microsoft at the time was literally the exact opposite. As the price steadily went down, investors thought that it would continue to go down. They came up with rationalizations and justifications for why Microsoft had always been overvalued and it was finally going back down and this time it was deserved. So we have the mentality of the market. When stocks go up, investors believe they'll go up forever, When stocks go down, investors believe they'll go down forever. And obviously, neither of these cases are accurate. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. Every company has an intrinsic value, and that's what we try to measure and gauge our buys and sells off of. So knowing that investors right now are in the hype mode, the enthusiastic mode, and the stocks will never come back down mode, having that context in mind, let's go ahead and look at my portfolio and estimate the intrinsic value and how things have changed. The first thing I want to do is actually go back and reference of video I did eight months ago. This video was eight months ago. It was seen by 65,000 people. The exact date was September 30th, 2022. And what I did was valuations on a lot of the companies that I held at the time. At the very top, we had my intrinsic value estimate for Apple. The current price of Apple at the time of this video was $142. Now Apple was trading at a price that I considered to be undervalued. $140 right there was the undervalued price. I said the fair value of Apple was 180, overvalued was 220. Apple is now at 185, slightly above my intrinsic value estimate. It trades at a free cash flow yield of 3.3, a stock-based comp adjusted free cash flow yield of 2.9. So it's actually getting up there a little bit higher where the free cash flow yield's lower, but it's still healthy. Apple still has a better yield than a lot of other comparable tech companies. And if we're gonna value the company on an earnings basis, it's at a 25 PE. And now I'm in the green by over $24,000. Now it's great that Apple has reached that fair value estimate. I believe it's gone up to its true intrinsic value. But as the price goes up, as the market has now given Apple a good bid, it means the margin of safety has gone down. For example, I think it's easier for Apple to trade from 180 to 140 than it would be for Apple to trade from 140 to 100. Even though both of them are $40 price declines, I think going from 140 down to 100 makes Apple extraordinarily cheap. Going from 180 down to 140 just makes it undervalued. So Apple right now is at a decent price, but the margin of safety is a little bit less as the company's traded to intrinsic value. The way that I look at this is that right now Apple for me is not a buy and i know it's different because i already have a large position in this company but i really try to add to it amongst weakness when other investors are fearful when other investors are questioning the future of apple that's when i add more to the company right now is not one of those time periods investors are not questioning the future of apple they're pricing in a very bright future for apple a prosperous one one that i think will happen but it's already being priced in to some extent so while apple in my opinion is not a sell, I'm not gonna be exiting my holding, it's certainly not a buy. What I'm doing with Apple right now is I'm holding. And from what I see with Apple this year, I do believe the intrinsic value is nudging upwards as the company's creating more avenues for growth. There's a metric I love to look at for the intrinsic value of a company, and it's the adjusted free cash flow per share. This metric is the free cash flow on a per share basis minus the stock-based comp on a per share basis. So in my opinion, it's the most pure form of free cash flow that you get, and it's the best overall indicator of whether a company's actually growing its intrinsic value or not. What we can see is that over the past five years, Apple. Apple's intrinsic value has grown dramatically, going up at a rate of nearly 24% per year. I think that Apple can continue to grow its intrinsic value at around 15 to 20% per year. It seems a little aggressive. But people thought this was aggressive way back in 2017. The company's 3X'd from there and the intrinsic value has grown by 3X as well. And they've done it with their enormous ecosystem. That is the most important part of Apple's moat. As long as they maintain the ecosystem, they will continue to find avenues, to be able to monetize their massive installed device and committed user base. The thing that really sets Apple apart from where it was five years ago is the product categories that it now has. The company has an entire category called services, which is the high margin digital revenue portion of this company growing at a very fast pace. They're eking out now over $20 billion in service revenue per quarter. $100 billion a year in service revenue. That's like a Fortune 20 company just because of their service revenues alone. And I don't know the exact numbers on this, but I assume that the margins on this service revenue are similar to the margins of Microsoft. So while I do not consider Apple cheap anymore, and I would not instruct someone to pile into Apple with their life savings anymore, it's not quite at the point that I'd sell the company. I'm still looking at this type of range. If the company gets above $200 per share, but gets into the two tens, I will be selling a large part of my stake at that point, but we're just not there yet. Now, the next big tech company that's gone through an incredible run is Microsoft, another large concentrated compounding machine in this portfolio. Microsoft trades at a price of around $350 today, and the company's price year to date has basically been a 45 degree slope going up over and over again. Investors are obviously in the category now of being ecstatic, being excited. Microsoft has literally positioned itself as the AI-dominant company, trying to muscle out Google and Meta for that top-tier position. They predict now that AI in and of itself will lead to an incremental $10 billion in reoccurring revenue. And they say that this will happen by intermingling all of their AI products, like ChatGPT and putting AI into Bing Search, into the Windows operating system, into things like Azure and all of their various software. So AI is now a part of Microsoft. Microsoft investors love AI. Investors love the new shiny thing to get excited about. In this case, it's AI and it's become a large buzzword that I do believe impacts stock prices. Now, while today Microsoft trades around $350, a year ago, when I made my valuation framework and I came up with the intrinsic value of $350. Microsoft at the time was trading for $238. It went up more than $100 in share price. What I'd like to do for the research on Microsoft and the current valuation is reference a video I did on big tech valuation just five months ago. The video was called Big Tech is Cheap and it came out January 6, 2023. Here's a segment from that video where I go over Microsoft's valuation, why I thought the company was cheap, and I think this works as a good anchor point currently. Now next up, We have Microsoft, which is another company I think is cheap. I own this one in the Story Fund and my dividend portfolio. Looking at this one, the big problem with Microsoft is the forward PE ratio. That's what everybody's looking at in today's market, um, which I think is good. But we have to look at a couple things here. On Qualtrm, it says the forward PE ratio is based; uh, it's a twenty-seven. And keep in mind this is based on analyst estimates of next year's earnings and this is where we have some disagreements i think this is very low it's assuming an eight dollar earnings per share next year when we look at a lot of different assumptions uh, we have this right here which is a table of different analysis it's assuming nine dollars and 54 cents next year my assumption is that microsoft can earn around ten dollars next year if microsoft earned ten dollars next year which again i, I think they can It's no guarantee, worst case scenario, they earn eight and it's really a 27 Ford PE ratio. But if they earned $8 or sorry, $10 next year instead of eight, the Ford PE would be 22 right now. You'd be buying Microsoft at a 22 Ford PE. If we look at that historically, that means that Microsoft right now today is the cheapest it's been since 2019 for just a, a couple trading days there and then all the way back to 2017. That's the last time you'd be able to buy Microsoft at today's price. And people are saying that Microsoft is so expensive now. It's such an expensive company. Look at the high multiple. Microsoft was just trading at a 35 Ford PE for over a year. That's where this company trades during bull markets with how powerful it is. It has a credit rating better than the US government. It's a diversified monopolistic business that has its hands in every part of corporate America I don't see this company going away for another hundred years Um, so even if the earnings come in a little bit lower next year worst case scenario you're getting it at a 27 ford PE ratio which I still think is inexpensive for Microsoft but best case scenario you get it at a 22 ford PE because next year they earn ten dollars in earnings per share and again I don't think that that's out of the question I think there's a decent chance they can earn nine and a half ten dollars so in that video five months ago i went over the worst case and the best case and like i said the worst case scenario was you're owning microsoft at a 27 ford pe which i didn't think was all that bad and i certainly didn't think that investors would lose money even with the worst case scenario But what happened was the best case scenario. I say in the video that Microsoft trades at around a 35 Ford PE in a bull market. And I also say that I believe that Microsoft would earn around $10 in earnings per share. Well, here we are. Microsoft is projected to earn around $10 in earnings per share in 2023. And the company's around 350, which puts it nicely in that 35 Ford PE. So we're back into the bull market. Microsoft is now fully valued and the stock price has gone up over $100 from $240 to $350. Now that's great for buying Microsoft a year ago and participating in this huge market gain and this huge shift that's happened over the past year. The issue is it puts it now nicely in that intrinsic value category. This is the area that we don't really want to be buying companies in. We want to buy them in the undervalued category. So this puts us in the same predicament with Apple. We have a company that I believe is at its intrinsic value. I don't think it's grossly overvalued, but I also don't think that it's now undervalued. And as it's in its intrinsic value, the margin of safety is a lot lower. The company could trade back down into that undervalued category. But the decision of whether to lock in gains and take advantage of all of this market enthusiasm, or the decision of whether to just hold the company, Remain long-term and let this thing ride is a tough decision. Microsoft, again, over the past year has gone from a 22 Ford PE to a 35. A 22 to a 35 is a lot of multiple expansion, a lot of investors becoming excited, and investors can change their enthusiasm on a dime, and this thing could swing back around, multiples could contract. So that's the chance you take and the risk you take by remaining long the company. Right now with Microsoft, I feel very similar with Apple that this company's not a buy, but it's also difficult to sell the company right now. I'm gonna be debating my options here over the next week, whether or not I decide to trim and take a little exposure off the table, lock in some gains, or whether or not I remain with my full $56,000 position. But as of right now, neither Apple nor Microsoft are cheap. They were cheap, just six months ago, they're not cheap today. Now, after that, we have some other companies, even outside of big tech that I did valuations on. Vici, for example, was trading at $29 per share. I said the intrinsic value was 33. Vici is a large holding of mine. I really like the company because of the simplicity of business model and the predictability of its cash flows and growth. But Vici has gone almost to that $33 mark right at the intrinsic value trading up from 29. Now the shift from 29 to 33 doesn't seem quite as impressive, but keep in mind that this company also has a 7% yielding dividend, pays a hefty dividend every single quarter. But this is another one that I don't consider to be heavily undervalued right now. I consider it trading right around, around its intrinsic value. Another company that I don't wanna continually add a ton of money right now, I'd rather just hold it. After that, we have Texas Roadhouse. This is another company that's a little bit weaker than the ones that I've been talking about. It's no Apple or Microsoft, it's a restaurant. And restaurants have a lot more fierce competition. They're certainly not monopolistic. But at the time of this video, just a year ago, Texas Roadhouse was trading at $89 per share. I said that that was undervalued and that the fair value intrinsic value estimate for this company was 105. Texas Roadhouse is currently at 110. It's above that previous intrinsic value estimate and the gains really have come in for this company. Between the dividend that it pays as well as the capital appreciation, I now have $11,600 in this company. So this is another one that's in that same category of I believe being fairly valued but not necessarily being heavily undervalued. The big deal of Texas Roadhouse being super cheap I think is mostly gone. Now the company should compound at its normal rate of around 15 to 20% per year. And then the last one I'll mention is Costco. A lot of people have questions about why I own Costco when the company's trading far above what I even consider to be the true intrinsic value of the company. For example, when I made this video nearly a year ago, Costco stock price was trading at 480 and I had the intrinsic value at 380, a full $100 cheaper than the current price. But I continued to hold every single share of the company. So why do I hold a company that I think trades above its intrinsic value? The company has proven throughout so much of its history that it looks optically more expensive than it actually is. That has been the same story since day one of owning this company. And while I've been told a million times over that Costco is expensive, Costco's expensive, Costco's expensive, the stock has always done well. It's always done well, it's always outperformed, it's one of the most consistent earnings grower, EBITDA grower, and free cash flow per share grower. And out of the durability of different companies, I consider Costco to be incredibly durable, even though it operates in a highly competitive environment. Since that video, Costco has moved up from 480 to now 530 The company continues to move up in price above expectations, and for me, this is something... That's really not that unexpected. It's beat the market year to date. It's performing like it does typically. Costco will have minor sell-offs from time to time. Those are opportunities to buy the dip, but overall, the company will continue to compound. So Costco's once again in this category of companies that I don't want to be buying right now. I'm not adding to this position, but I also don't really want to sell out of it. I really want to keep my interest in this wonderful business. It's proven itself time and time again. And when I underwrite the future growth of the company, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. So I have to admit I'm in an odd position right now. Almost every company in my portfolio is doing exceptional, and I'm finding few places to put money that I consider to be easy money like I did just a year ago. I would never come out with the video big tech is cheap today. Just the opposite, I think many of these companies are getting a little expensive. And there's a couple things that are a little bit concerning in the market. I think the behavior behind Nvidia shows an incredible amount of greed. The amount of money being poured into this company day after day is a little bit alarming. Nvidia's now bid up to prices that have an incredibly bright future. No prices too high currently for Nvidia. So I know that investors are enthusiastic. We're in a bull market. Things are exciting right now, but we need to remain cold and calculated and make rational decisions. And when I look over my portfolio, trying to find the few places that haven't had the same excitement as the rest of the market, there's a couple that I can find. One of them is in the industrials. The railroads so far this year, have not done well. They really have had no enthusiasm whatsoever. They are the exact same price when I bought in at the beginning of this year. So year to date in comparison against the S&P 500 or the QQQ, companies like Canadian Pacific Union Pacific, I would imagine Canadian National Railway and any of the other railroads are not doing so hot. So these companies seem very interesting to me. I'm gonna be adding more to both of these positions. I know it seems like the wrong thing to do right now. We should instead be piling our money into Apple, Microsoft, Nvidia, and Tesla. That's the opposite of how good investors operate. They pile money into the companies that are not currently loved by the rest of the market. Canadian Pacific and Union Pacific have no magic surrounding them. There is no love being given to these companies. And don't let the lack of stock price fool you these companies are compounding machines. They meet every single metric. Here's the adjusted free cash flow per share of Union Pacific. It is up and to the right for the past decade. It's given market-beating returns with incredibly low risk, and it pays a high-yielding dividend at the same time. Canadian Pacific's a wonderful company led by an incredibly intelligent management that now had a great acquisition go through that'll expand the earnings power of this company. And this is another one that's been widely market-beating for the past decade. It's grown its adjusted free cash flow per share. It's grown its free cash flow like crazy. The earnings growth have been incredibly consistent. So while investors are ignoring these companies, while they're just kind of tossing them to the side because right now AI is the focus and these don't have AI in their name, I think they're good buys right now. I'm going to be buying both of these companies and adding to these positions. Other companies that I think are a good buy right now in my portfolio, one of them is S&P Global. This company has had a little bit of a bid this year, so it's actually starting to get recognized as an AI company, as a digital leader, as being a monopoly. This one's going up a little bit, so I'm not adding more to this position as it's already very sizable, but the one that really hasn't moved a whole lot is Intuit. It's up slightly. I'm in the green by 1,500, but I still think this company doesn't have the same level of enthusiasm as we see in big tech. If we look at the past five years, Intuit is all the way back to where it was in late 2020. So Intuit's another one that as long as this company mostly stays flattish, I'm gonna be adding more to this position, getting it up to around a $40,000 position. So that's where I'm at right now. It's difficult to find places to add money and it's difficult to know whether to hold or whether to sell. For the most part, I bought into companies that will compound for a long period of time. So I feel fine holding these companies even at their intrinsic value. But as the market continues to race up and investors believe and investors believe that there's no price too high, I will take advantage of that in a calculated way. That's the portfolio update this time. Let's go ahead and move on to the news. We have some breaking news that a chief executive at Disney has abruptly stepped down. And this woman was the CFO of the company. She had been there for over two decades. And they say that this wasn't her just deciding to exit the company and take a retirement. That was part of it. But more importantly, she was actually having huge disagreements internally. There's a lot of discord between her and different groups. The abrupt exit of McCarthy caught some colleagues and associates by surprise. A person familiar with her situation said that there had been no dramatic changes in her life recently that would require her to step back. McCarthy had clashed with Disney chief executive... Bob Iger, and other top executives over strategy, including the amount of money that Disney spends on content and a recent restructuring that she felt had not gone far enough to streamline the company. So she had big disagreements with Bob Iger, and in one way or another decided to leave the company. Obviously, when top executives are leaving the company... That's not a really good sign. It's not something that I love to see. This doesn't mean doom and gloom for Disney. That's not what I'm saying here, but it is a little bit of a red flag. It just means that things aren't running smoothly in the company. They don't all see in the same vision. They're not all executing the same plan. And Disney's a tough one. It's a company that I used to own. I did have this company as a very long term holding. I started investing in the company in 2017. I held it all the way to 2023. So I held the company well over five years. And in that time period, Disney gave me one reason or another to become less and less committed to the company as an investment, to have less and less trust that they would build compounding intrinsic value for the investor. Now, looking at the company price now and the decision to Sell it seems pretty easy. I sold the company around 115. So it was right at this point around here. This is when the activist investor came into the business and really bumped the stock price up. I used that as an opportunity to exit at what I consider to be not such a bad price. But now it's traded down to around $91 per share, which is where it's had major support. The stock price typically trades down to around that area. It hangs out for a while and waits for another catalyst to potentially go higher. But looking back now, I don't consider all cells in a portfolio to be bad. And Disney's one of the companies that as I look back on it, I have no regrets in selling out of this company. It may go up in the future, but I think it's very unpredictable. They have so much cash flows to make up for. So many things have to go right with their execution. They're building out Disney Plus and them continuing to use their same brands of Star Wars and Marvel, which are becoming a little bit exhausted. So I really genuinely wish Disney investors continued luck in the stock. Hopefully they're able to turn it around. I'd be happy to see that. But as of right now, this is another thing that I consider to be a small red flag. Now it's Friday, which typically means that we have some advice from tiktok and in this week we have the advice of how to become a millionaire so i hope you have your pencil sharpened i hope you're ready i'm going to instruct everybody with the help of tiktok of how we can all easily become a millionaire here we go if someone wanted to make a million dollars that was their dream in life what would you recommend to them anyone can really become a millionaire because like the world is so big and the markets are so massive all you got to do is get a dollar from a million people out of that's it the markets are so massive And you can become a millionaire because the world is like so big it's so big out there that you can become a millionaire and all you have to do is get one dollar from a million people simple as that just go find a million people and get a dollar from each of them like eight billion if you just walk around every single day asking for a dollar they have a guy in this video going up to a car and asking for a dollar all you have to do is repeat this same process one million times and then you're a millionaire. In fact, if you really break down the math, you can become a millionaire in less than one year. All you have to do is ask 2,700 people for a dollar every day. You can get to a million dollars pretty easily. So like, imagine if you actually worked hard, it's actually, you know, not that difficult. Now, I get the idea here. I don't want to rag on this message too much. I do think that people can become millionaires over time with a lot of discipline, a lot of good judgment, and a lot of hard work. So that's not a message I necessarily disagree with. But saying that it's easy repeatedly and all you have to do is get $1 from a million people, that is the same as asking 2,700 people for a dollar every single day for an entire year. That's how many it would take you to get $1 from every single person. Obviously, that's not that easy. And saying that there's 8 billion people on the planet is really not that applicable. First of all, a lot of those billions of people are not gonna give you a penny. They're in different countries. They're trying to get money of their own. They're not gonna be handing out money to you just because you go up and ask. So while I agree with the message to not limit yourself, don't think that you can't accomplish great things, I also think this oversimplifies things a little bit. Getting to a million dollars is a very difficult feat to accomplish. For most people, it takes a lot of continued hard work and dedication and serving and offering a lot of value to a lot of people over many years. Now that's all for this episode. I'll see you in the next one.